This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. Interviews, in my opinion, are have been done wrong for, for a while now. I once took a college class on how to interview properly. It didn't teach me how to do any job well. It just taught me how to answer interview questions. We often write job descriptions and everyone has you know, the plan of what they want you to do, but they don't write about how well you do it. Today's guest is Nathan Hirsch, the CEO of FreeUp, managing over a thousand freelancers remotely and doing over $7 million annually. He's now sold over 30 million online as well and been on over a hundred podcasts sharing his story. And now, Nathan, you're on business done differently. I hope you are mentally prepared. Welcome to the show. Jesse, I am ready to go and I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk with you because, you know, hiring is something that entrepreneurs talk about all the time, but they're often failing. And it seems like you've done something really differently in creating FreeUp. So just kind of give the listeners a little bit idea of what FreeUp is and how you started it. Yeah, so I started a, a multi-million dollar Amazon business out of my college dorm room. And as I grew that for years, my my daily routine quickly went from growing and expanding the business to just doing interview after interview after interview, trying to find all of this talent, both in person and remotely. And I became obsessed with the Upworks and the fibers of the world. I love building remote teams. I love meeting with people from around the world, but I just wanted a faster way to get talent. And when I couldn't find that, I created my own marketplace where we get hundreds of applicants. We take the top 1% and we make them available quickly to clients all around the world with great fast support on the back end and a no turnover guarantee. So that's kind of how that's a short, short version of how I went from being a big e-commerce seller to the freelance industry. So what I'm fascinated by is I am so into human connection. I believe the connection between humans is really what's driving people, motivation, impact. But you're doing everything remotely. And maybe just because I've been scared, but tell me how you know this remote employers really helps these businesses and what you've been able to do and what type of employees you're looking for. Yeah, sure. So we're offering freelancers, not employees, but the same thing applies. I mean, we build a culture where people can be open, where people can share ideas, where we're building actual relationships. And it is different when you have an office opposed to having everything remote. I actually opened up an office and I thought that it would improve the, the connectivity between everyone and have a better dynamic. But what I found is people were less productive in the office. There was drama that wasn't there when people were doing it remote. There were um, different disagreements that I thought would have been handled differently if it was remote. So now that I've made everything back to being remote, I've really focused on that remote culture. And we have such a great group of people from my 40-person internal team that meshes together so well to the, the thousand freelancers that are available to clients all around the world. And it's so cool just talking with very like-minded people on a day-to-day basis. So I love that. So let's go into the culture club. If we're going to go into a segment right here about the culture how do you do it without face-to-face? How do you build a great culture of remote workers? Yeah, so first step is you have to define what your culture is, right? There, there might be a company that has a very cutthroat culture, and if they hire someone that's warm and fuzzy, it's not going to work out. So if you don't know what your culture is, you have to figure that out. For us, we want people that have not only skill, 
but attitude and communication as well. And when I'm talking about attitude, I want people who are passionate about what they do. They come in every day with a smile, even though they're remote. Um, they're, they're not just in it for the paycheck. They actually care about their clients. They care about the community. They care about free up. And with communication, we want people who, yes, they speak my language at a high level, but it's so much more than that. People who can give estimates, hit due dates. You don't have to chase them down. They'll, they'll return a phone call. There's so many important things when you're working with someone remotely that all come down to communication. So to me, with my culture, I'm not just focused on how talented they are. I'm focused on the attitude and the communication parts as well. 100%. All right. So let's say I'm sold, Nathan. You know, Here at our, our team, we have 20 full-time employees, almost 200 part-time employees, and we want now to bring on some freelancers. How do we start? Sure. So what I did back when I had a, an internal staff or uh, when I in-house employees is I looked at their, the person and said, hey, listen, I'm paying you $60,000 a year, whatever it is. How much of your time are you actually spending on $60,000 a year value? And a lot of times you'll find that they might be spending 25% of their time on smaller tasks that could get done by someone else. And that's one way to hire but that's really what I did. I gave my employees an assistant. I sometimes gave my employees assistance assistance to really maximize whatever pay rank they are to make sure that I'm getting that full amount out of them. So that's where I start. So, so, what, is that, so what does that look like? Let, let's dive into this because, again, it's still so foreign for me. So what type of freelancers are the most common that are hired? Is it assistance? No. So, I mean, we offer freelancers from five to $75 an hour. So you've got the, the low level people who they're followers. They're for clients that have their systems and processes in place. Then you've got the mid-level who are the doers and they're there to do a specific thing. They do the same thing eight to 10 hours a day, graphic designers, writers, bookkeepers. Um, whereas the low level would be that customer service, the assistant, the data entry. And then you got the experts, the marketing, the web developers. Maybe they um, do audits of PPC campaigns, whatever it is. So, there, there's really two ways to go about it, or three ways if you include the mid. The low level, I would go in and talk to an employee, or even I do it with my business partner all the time. I map out, hey, these are the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And I figure out what are those easiest things? What are the things I don't like doing that are not productive, that aren't those $1,000 an hour type jobs? And those are the ones I take off my plate. And I never go three months doing the same task without taking it off my plate. Mm. And the flip side of that is I look for areas of weakness. And one activity that I did with my partner, Connor, back in the day, uh, we sat in a balcony and for an hour we went back and forth, you're good at this, you're bad at this. Brutally honest. Nate, you're a terrible writer. Connor, you don't know how to run meetings or whatever it is. And after we had this list, we realized we complement each other very well, which is great. But we also had these things that we're both bad at, yet we're still doing them. We just didn't have the talent in the business so we would hire freelancers to come in and turn those weaknesses into strengths. Mm. So and now, all right, now I'm starting to see it, Nathan. I, I, you're speaking my language because, you know, in my, in my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, I talk about the best question and how often are you putting out fires in your office? How often are you doing things that you're not good at? And I learned when I was young that why would I spend so much time doing mowing my lawn or, you know, literally fixing a plumbing issue at my house? It could take me hours and I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy it when I hire. And it's, it's the same form of freelancing, hiring outside. So in the business, there's people in every position right now that are doing things they're not good at, that they don't enjoy, that's bringing down their morale, that's hurting your business, yet you're continuing to pay for them to do a mediocre job. 
Exactly. And I mean, if you think of why, why hire freelancers instead of the internal, the remote industry is booming right now. Within the next 10 years, over 50% of the workforce is going to be remote. And if you're not taking advantage of it, your competitors are. And if you're only hiring internally, you're just limiting yourself to the talent around you, maybe the talent in the city next to you as well. But you're also competing with all the businesses around you for that same talent. When you open yourself up to remote, you can get people at different price points from all around the world that will bring their own take, their own culture, their own diversity to the table that can help your business. And it's a great complimentary piece to your internal staff. Love it. Let's let's go to some story time. Nathan, give me a give me a story of an example either from one of the companies you were working with or even you internally that you switched from, you know, not working from uh, working with people regularly, you know, face to face to a freelancer that made a huge difference in the, for that company. Yeah, sure. So customer service is an incredibly hard thing to hire for. I mean, it probably has the highest turnover out of any part of your business, especially if you're running an e-commerce company. If you think about it, um, the people that are doing customer service, they're the ones that are dealing with the angriest people, right? There are days when they get home and they are just so frustrated with, with how their day went. Maybe they did everything right and they dealt with these irate customers and they couldn't do anything about it. And the, the other problem with customer service is you don't, if you're a business owner, you don't want to pay top dollar for customer service people, right? Well, wanna, wait, 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 let's not stop right there. Why not? Because the average business owner wants to take that money and they want to put it into marketing. They want to put it into something where they get a higher ROI. So I don't want to cut you off. Remember what you're saying, but I look, customer service is marketing. Now you're talking to me, Nathan, who are any of our companies, Fans First Entertainment. So I believe you should put big time money and time and emphasis into customer service. So we think differently because the more times we put money into customer service, that takes care of our marketing. So I get what you're I saying. I agree with you though. But, but yeah. I, all right, so we're Sorry. not debating this one, which is good. But so if you're saying, give me some examples, I guess, going on on customer service, how you can freelance that out. Yeah, so I agree with you too. And I'm a big customer service person. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in the next segment. Um, there could be other reasons. They might not be able to afford it. I mean, when you add in a US person where there's payroll and other stuff, there, there's other reasons besides just wanting to invest in other places. My point is just, hey, I had, a, I had an internal customer service team. And as my business grew, customer service got very expensive. And I did want to take that money and I wanted to do something else with it besides customer service. So what I was able to do is have internal employees that handled high level customer service issues and they would still be the face. But I came in and I outsourced a lot of the customer service work to people in the Philippines that spoke great English, that were very passionate about what they do, that love customer service that I could retain for a much more reasonable salary long term. And putting those pieces together made customer service more affordable. I was still able to offer it at a high level. And I was able to take some of that money and invest into other parts of my company. What did this customer service team do for you? What was their role? Sure. So this was my Amazon business. So you think of what do you get? You get people asking for tracking, you get people asking for returns, products arrive broken, whatever it is. So these people would handle a lot of the smaller tasks, answering tracking emails, questions about the products. Whereas let's say that a shipment for a birthday party arrived late and you have this pissed off customer that would still get handled by my internal employee who would be able to put their best face forward and, and keep the customer there, keep them happy, go above and beyond and move forward. Mm. We recently had Joey Coleman, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again, uh, author and speaker on the show. And he said there was a company that hired uh, stay-at-home moms to write handwritten thank you letters every day. They had about 500. They had to go out every single day and they hired them to do that. Now, are there so opportunities from freelancers to do things like that as well? 
Absolutely. And I, I agree with that too. I mean, sometimes the angriest customers, the people that let's say you mess up just because every entrepreneur is going to mess up at some point, if you can make them happy, they become your most loyal customer for life. And, mm-hmm. and I'm completely a part of that mentality. All right, let's go into a little bit more different strokes. I, I love where we're going. And I want to dive into virtual assistants in a little bit. But, you know, different strokes, you know, what have you learned the most about hiring that's different than what most people think about? Sure. So so most people are, they get, they think of hiring as, Hey, I'm going to give someone a task. They're going to do it. I'm going to hand it back, get it handed back and give them a new task. Or, Hey, if they're doing marketing, they just focus on marketing. If they're doing my bookkeeping, just bookkeeping, graphic design, just graphic design. For me, I want everyone to be invested in my business. So I mentioned I have a 30 person remote freelancer team that handles everything from the bookkeeping to my Skype, to our social media. Every week, they know how the company is doing. They are updated on what projects we're working on, even if they, it has nothing to do with them. They know if we had a bad week, a good week, what our, what our game plan is and our goals are going forward. They get updates from other people. Even if they're just someone part-time working three hours a week doing our banners for social media, they are invested in the business and they know how we're doing. And just because of that, it reduces turnover, it motivates people more, and it makes people feel more like a family that they want to succeed. So I want to, yeah, I want to go into that. So uh, we've always talked about a family and we believe that you need to really love your employees even more than your customers. And it's okay to use the word love, but so you have this 30 person remote team. How do you communicate with them to make sure not only everyone's on the same page, but you also communicate the vision of the business, how much you care for them and how much they should care for your customers? Sure. So we have a meeting every Monday that is everyone in it. And we do the meeting via text chat, not video. So everything's in writing. People can go back. It's black and white. There's no gray areas. How does and the text then, chat look? How does that, what does that look like? So you use Skype. You have group Skype chat. So we'll have a Skype chat that's called main, main assistance meeting. And everyone's involved in that. And then there will be another group chat that's just the bookkeepers, just the social media, just the people for the blog. So once a week, they'll also meet separately with their team. But then we'll also have a big meeting where we, Connor and I, Connor's my partner, we post updates to start, ask, let people ask questions, we, ask, we encourage feedback, we encourage ideas, we want people to really know what's going on and be a part of it. And then they each give updates on what they're working on, how their projects are going, what they need help with, how we can help them. And that's how the meeting goes. And then they all break separately, usually taking something from that meeting and meet just with their team to focus on that week. Mm. What have you learned? What hasn't worked out well? So you brought in you know, a 30-person team. What people haven't worked out well and how have you made changes to make it work better? Yeah. So what doesn't work well when you're doing stuff remote, especially when you're dealing with people from around the world, is doing any kind of video meeting or audio meeting and without recording it or not putting it in text. That's mm. how stuff gets lost. It turns into a he said, she said thing down the line. You have to put everything in writing. Even if, if you're someone who loves audio meetings, at the end of the meeting, write up the notes in an email and have send it out and have everyone confirm they're on the same page. It can save you so much time and wasted energy down the line. All right, let's let's get even more practical. Nathan, I'm, I'm loving this because I think this is, you know, so many companies aren't taking advantage of this. And whether that's with you or anyone, I mean, just getting into it, you know, basically testing the waters, I think is so important. So, so let's say uh, you're an entrepreneur and you want help with your social media. There's so many platforms. You want YouTube, Instagram, you know, Twitter, Facebook, using it all. How would you start and how would you plan that to get someone? Because that's such an important messaging platform for your whole brand. How would you start if you want to potentially outsource that? 
Sure. So it depends where, where you're at with it. If you're someone that has that background and you're like, Hey, I, I know I can do this. I know what the plan is. I know what steps I have to take. I just don't have the time to do it. You would hire that lower level person who has that experience that you can just plug into your system and they're following it. And you might even work with them to help tweak it and improve that system over time, improve that system. Um, but most likely you're someone that doesn't know all those different channels. Maybe you know YouTube, but you don't know Facebook, whatever it is. For those, you can hire an expert. And this is the best part. You don't have to hire a 40-hour-a-week employee to handle this stuff. You can hire an expert to come in, hire them for a few hours, and they'll audit your business. They'll see what you're doing, what your competitors are doing, what makes the most sense for your business because sometimes certain channels are better than others. And then they'll come up with a customized plan just for you. And you can hire them to execute that plan. You can take that plan and do it yourself. You can do a combination where you use them and then you plug in those mid-level specialists, maybe a content writer and a graphic designer or a lower level worker to come in and follow those systems and processes. So you're not paying top dollar for every little thing. So if there's ever something that you don't know how to do it at a high level, hire a freelancer consultant to come in for a few hours. It's cost effective. Yes, you'll pay them 50 bucks an hour or whatever it is. So a few, maybe a few hundred bucks to get a great game plan going that you can then figure out how to execute it. Now, one thing I believe is you need to do and then learn. However, it is a longer process. We've taken 12 years to really realize what we're doing as far as the sports and entertainment business here. So this is a way to expedite it. So let's give another practical example. So I want to start an Instagram account, you know, personal Instagram, never done it, know it's growing. What would you advise? Hire an expert to begin with and then figure out how to hire people, maybe low end and just put in an implementation system. Yeah, it's very similar to what I'm doing now with LinkedIn. We've been crushing other channels. I want to focus on LinkedIn right now. I've I played around with it. I've watched some videos. I, I have a decent understanding. I just hired an expert this morning to come in. I hired him for five hours over the next week. And I'm going to meet with him. I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to go through my account with him one-on-one. I'm going to take the plan that I had created based on my limited time researching it. And I'm going to go through it with him and make it better. And once it's done, I'm going to do it for a little while to work out the kinks, but eventually I'm going to pass it over to a new lower level VA that can do on a day-to-day basis. And I'm going to keep in touch with this expert and meet with him maybe once a month, every few weeks and and go over it and see how we can improve. Maybe LinkedIn or in your situation, Instagram um, changes a formula in the back end, And now we have to update our process. So I can keep this guy on call, almost on retainer that to use him as I need him going forward. So, okay, so give me, can you give me an example? What, what would an expert for LinkedIn cost? Like what, 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 uh, from, your, from your platform? I'm paying them $50 an hour. Usually an expert is in that $30 to $60 an hour range, $30 to $75 if they're in the U.S. If they're not in the U.S., they might be in that $20 to $40 range. So you do five hours, you spend $250, learn some. And how do you know they're an expert? How, is it because of your platform you've really qualified? I mean, we vetted these people. We we take we get hundreds of applicants every week and we reject 99 out of every 100 applicants we're only letting the top 1% in we're we're checking references we're making sure that these people are top notch and i mean if there's ever a situation where they're not we would handle it accordingly if somehow they they snuck in but that rarely happens and the coolest thing is when you're vetting people for attitude and communication you're getting really honest people who are really honest of what they can and cannot do. And they love free up. They love the community so much that they don't want to take on projects unless they know they can do a good job. All right. I love this because this is now practical for both ways, not only freelance or remote, but regular hiring. How do you vet for attitude and communication? Sure. So we're doing one-on-one interviews and interviews, in my opinion, are have been done wrong for, for a while now. 
I once took a college class on how to interview properly. It didn't teach me how to do any job well. It just taught me how to answer interview questions. So we try to stay away from that. We try to ask questions that are almost tricking them. We're looking for red flags. What are you saying that's telling me that you don't have the skill that you say you have? What are you saying that that might tell me that, hey, you're you're too busy to focus on free up clients. You you might have bad days where you're not able to focus or, or give your best effort. You you you're not gonna give something to this community or want to be a part of it. All you, all you care about is the money. That's really what we're looking for when we're doing these one-on-one interviews. And it's a system that I've developed over eight years of hiring, trying to find the same like-minded people as Connor and I. Can you give me some examples of some questions you use? Sure. So I'll, I'll ask someone point blank, hey, do, tell me your, your top skill and then rank it from one to 10. And here's the thing. There are people out there who are a three out of 10 and there's people out there that are a 10 out of 10. But there's a time and a place for both of them. What's important to me is I want to know who's a three out of 10, who's a 10 out of 10 so that I can give them the clients accordingly. But I also want to know their reasons behind it. If they're telling me they're a 10 out of 10 and they've been doing something for six months, it's a little bit of a red flag. Same thing, three out of 10, but they've been doing it for 10 years. I want, I want to know why are they telling me that number? And I want to hear that background behind it. And from that background, I'll be able to dive deeper and deeper to figure out how talented they actually are and why they think about that. And are they actually, do they actually understand what the market is for their services? So do you do that with a lot of the questions asked based on numbers? Because it sounds like that's a great way to get them to go further. That's one question. I mean, we, we have a lot of stuff that's proprietary that we've been using. And the cool thing is we're always tweaking and improving. Um, whenever someone gets in the marketplace, let's say, and we don't feel like they were a 10 out of 10, maybe they were a seven and, and somehow they got in, we'll go back to our freelance success team and say, hey, how did this person get in? What new questions can we ask to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Love it. Okay. Let's say someone wants to test the waters out, take a small bet, and they want to hire a virtual assistant. What, again, would be the best first step to say, you know, hey, these are the things that I'm not that great at. I'd like help in because I would guess. And for me right now, there's a lot of fear of letting someone into your world and them not doing a good job or representing you well. What, what would you suggest if you want to dabble into a virtual assistant helping with the things that you don't enjoy doing? What's the best way to start? So the first thing is you have to change your mentality. As you know, you have to hiring people. You have to hire people. And hiring people is always risky. Even if you hire your best friend to sit right next to you every day, there's always a chance to do something stupid or jeopardize your business in some way. But if you don't hire people, you're going to hit a ceiling at some point that you're not going to get over. Hiring is really the only option. And I mentioned before, if you're not taking advantage of remote hiring of freelancers or virtual assistants, your competitors are. And at some point, that's going to come back to you. So getting over that mentality is first. Second is creating that list of everything that you do on a day-to-day basis, which we mentioned before. And third is figure out what your perfect virtual assistant looks like. And so many people are go into it thinking, oh, I'll, I'll know it when I see it. In my opinion, that's not a good way to go about it. When I'm looking to hire, I'm saying, hey, I want a VA that can work these times in this time zone. They need to have this skill set with this background. They, they have to be available every Saturday morning. I want them to be US or non-US. Really de- define what your perfect worker looks like. And with FreeUp, all you do is take that and put that into our worker request form, and we introduce you to someone who matches it within one business day. So that's what I encourage you to do after you've created that list, really define what your perfect hire looks like. Mm. You know, that's unbelievably practical for all hiring because we often write job descriptions and everyone has, you know, the plan of what they want you to do. 
but they don't write about how well you do it. And I think this is brilliant, Nathan. Everyone should write, what does that perfect hire look like? And it makes it very clear, not only for what you're looking for, but what also what your person should deliver. And you can be clear on that. I think that's a huge takeaway. All right, before we get into some games, because I told you we're gonna get wild. I was just very curious on all this. One question here. This is gonna be tough for you, all right? Why shouldn't someone hire freelancers? Oh, man. So whenever I get a Facebook, I get tagged in these Facebook posts and someone's like, oh, I'm thinking about outsourcing that. And someone posts back, oh, you should never outsource that. And then I usually respond, I do outsource that because I outsource everything, whether it's U.S. (laughs) or non-U.S. I'm always hiring freelancers. Um, The only time that you shouldn't hire, you shouldn't out hire a freelancer is if it's something that needs to be done in your office. And I'm saying, hey, you need a janitor, you need a warehouse staff, you need someone to pack boxes, something that you actually can't get done remote. I mean, even nowadays, photography, we have clients who are shipping products across the US to a photographer professionally, there's so much that you can freelance. So my argument would be that you can freelance everything unless it absolutely has to be done in your office. Wow. Okay. Beautiful. All right. So I think you got me convinced. Glad to hear. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's go into our first game, Truth and Dare. Just do it. All right. Which one would you like first? Let's do truth. All right. Right now, what is holding you back in your business? Sure. So if you had asked me six months ago, our software was really holding us back. I mean, if you think of a marketplace model, you've got clients, you've got freelancers, you've got the software that holds it together. We don't have a software budget of the Upworks, of the Fivers of the world. So people would have a great experience with the freelancers, but they're always saying, hey, your software could be better, your software could be better. Um, we've spent a lot of time and money over the last six months improving it. But it's still just lagging behind where our competitors are. And I would say that's the one thing that would hold us back. I always tell Connor, if I personally could develop, we'd be billionaires right now because there's (laughs) so much that I want to add to my software um, that I can't. I love it. All right. Beautiful. Are you ready for the dare? Yes. (laughs) All right. It is time for Sing in the Blank. So basically, we do this at our ballpark. We play a song. We usually have two grown men with a mic facing each other. When the song stops... They have to finish that song lyric. So, Nathan, have you ever sung on a podcast before? Whew, no, and I am terrible at song lyrics, so we'll see how this goes. It, it actually fits with the name of your company, all right? So this is an easy one. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. Tom Petty, throwing it out, CEO of FreeUp. So I'm throwing that there, Free Fallen. You have passed truth and dare, Nathan. Congratulations. Thank you. You made it. All right. So now I want to go into your brand a little bit, go into uh, you know some fun questions, get to know you in a different way. I want to do a marketing minute right now, Nathan. W- one sentence, the best thing you've ever done to grow your brand. Focused on speed. Speed is everything in business. Mm. Focused on speed. All right. You, I, how have you done that? Do you want me to go more on that? or am I Yeah, just yeah, yeah. yeah give, give, me a little, give me a little elaboration on that. Sure. So speed goes to everything. It's how quickly we fill worker requests and get people access to talent. It's how quick we respond in customer service whenever there's an issue. Um, I mean, 
you you know this with customer service. Sometimes it's not not just how quickly you solve the problem, but it's how fast you do it. And so that's really what we are to having my calendar right on the website where people can quickly book a meeting right with the CEO of the company. For us, it's all about speed. We never want our clients waiting for us. I love that. I just recently went to In-N-Out Burger uh, in, in LA for the first time and unbelievable the speed that they put forth. And it's one of the reasons why they're so successful. People want things faster and that'll never change. People always want things faster and more convenient. So I love that. Speed is huge, Nathan. All right, now to our next segment, the simple life. I'm obsessed with keeping things simple, obsessed with it. As Steve Jobs always focused on that, if you keep things simple, you can move mountains. What are you doing to simplify your business and your life? Whew. So I use a Trello board and Trello is one of the most basic organization um, for tools out there. And it's really just divided into personal projects, short-term projects, long-term projects. And that, that's it. And then you got the completed, of course. And that's really how I organize something. Whenever I come up with an idea that I want to do, I throw into short or long-term or personal. And throughout the week, I, I slowly just chip away at that board. Mm, love it. Love it. All right, Nathan, time for Flip the Script. You are the host of Business Done Differently, and you can ask me any question. Sure. How would you put a positive spin on freelancers? I know for, for me, it's taken, it took me a little while to get more comfortable with it, and I know that there are reservations out there. What creative thing would you put on that would make people relax a little bit and give it a chance, just like they would hiring any other employee? Well, I think the starting point I always look at everything is is a mirror moment. And I say, what frustrates you about a business? What frustrates you about an industry? And put yourself in the customer's shoes to answer that question. That's how we kind of solved a lot of the baseball issues. So if you were to look at what are the biggest uh, challenges that people have with freelancers, write those down and then try to figure out what is the perfect counter argument towards that. So, you know, again, from my standpoint, I see it's a trust issue. And for some reason, people are willing to pay forty, fifty thousand dollars to have someone in front of you that you can watch all the time, that you can see, that you can actually see if they're working. And people probably aren't seeing freelancers working. So to make it into a positive sense, I think you got to uh, get over that hump. And how do you simplify it? You know, what other things in life have been freelance? I mean, think about it. I mean, there's so many things out there right now about your brand that you don't even know that other people are saying that other people are doing. And you can follow it a little bit with social media, but that's to an extent the same thing as a freelancer. So I know I can't give you the simple answer there, but I would look at uh, all the things that have changed over the last 15 years. And we were scared of Facebook. We were scared of Uber. I mean, think about the idea of if you have a daughter, a teenage daughter, and say, yes, I'm going to have a stranger pick you up in a car and drive you somewhere. People could never, ever have gotten yeah. over that. And now that's commonplace. Uber, they feel is even more safe than cabs and Lyft. So I think it's uh, just trying to make those examples of how much things have changed in the 15 years. But I'll tell you, Nathan, you have converted me a little bit more. I have this fear of it. But again, what's the worst thing that can happen? It's the same thing with any employee. So I hope that, Absolutely. I hope and, that helps. And I mean, I, no, it did. That, that's really good. It's all about finding those pain points and figure out how, do you, how you can simplify it, really. Yeah. What are those friction points? And to answer that, uh, Jeff Rosenblum said it best. He said, whoever can say the most in the least amount of words wins. So if you could find that one sentence, <laughs> that, that one sentence that's, that, that debunks the challenges with freelancers. I mean, the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment and our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. It's three words and four words. That's everything for us. So well, like, do you have a, do you have a, a mantra Love or a slogan it. for free up? No, we don't. I should probably start thinking of that. <laughs> 
you know, what is it? So when, pe- <laughs> when, when people say, what is it? How do you simplify that into three or four words or one sentence? And I talk about this in the book, you know, start at that elevator speech of a paragraph, then break it down to a sentence, and then even go even further. Think about this. Google owns the word search. Tim Ferriss owned the word four hours for a while. You know, what, what companies own certain words? How can FreeUp own freelance or own something else? So just an idea. Yeah, I mean, right now, I, yeah, right now I say we pre-vet with speed on the front end with, protect, with customer servers and protection on the back end. So probably needs to be changed a little bit, but that's the basic idea. Yeah, that's a great starter point. I love it. Beautiful. All right, I want to go into question time because if you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. What are some of the best questions you're asking right now? Um, we ask for feedback nonstop from freelancers and from clients. That's the key. I mean, I learned that at such a young age because my turnover was through the roof. I couldn't get anyone to stay with me. And what eventually happened is I asked for an exit interview with someone that had quit. And exit interviews, I don't know if you've ever done one, but they are incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> you have someone on the other side of the room that doesn't want to be there anymore. You're kind of pissed at them because they wasted your time and energy and money. Um, and so we sat down and they were brutally honest and they told me everything that I was doing wrong as a leader, as a manager, that everything going on wrong with my business. And I took that so seriously that feedback is not only encouraged, it's really mandatory. We're constantly asking for feedback and ideas from the freelancers on my internal team, from the ones in the marketplace, because we know that the marketplace collapses if the freelancers aren't happy. Um, from clients, we want to know every single thing. And one quick example, and we can move on. Clients told me that they didn't love filling out our worker request form. Not all of them, and in my mind, it's pretty simple, but some of them were just too busy to do it. So we added an assistant who was just there that so clients, when they were so busy, they could Skype them, they could email them, they could hop on the phone, and we'd fill out the worker request, uh, worker request form for them. And that's all because I'm constantly asking for feedback to improve the process. Love it. Love it. Outstanding. All right. Now that's what I call service. What's one of the best service experiences you've either been a part of or that you've witnessed. Uh, it could be with freelancing or it could just be at anywhere. What have you, what have you seen? No, so I learned all my customer service skills at the Firestone Corporation. I used to intern there from when I was in high school through a little bit of college before I started my business. And I really took everything that I le- know about customer service from them and applied it to my Amazon business and then applied it to FreeUp. And they would always tell me, hey, listen, the customer is not always right but it's in your best interest to make the customer happy every single time. And what I would witness as they were training me is people would come in because someone, let's say someone messed up a brake job or messed up their oil change, whatever it was, and they would come in and not only would they fix it quickly, no questions asked, no disputing, but they would also go above and beyond because if you think of it in the term of freelance, let's say a freelancer misses your deadline, just getting the project done for them doesn't actually make them whole again. They're just kind of where they would be anyway. You have to go above and beyond. Hey, I made this whole, I got this project done for you and here's a $50 credit towards your next freelancer. And that kind of stuff always stuck with me and it's the same customer service principles that I apply today. Mm, surprise and delight, always above and beyond. Love it. All right, this is gonna be a good question for you because it sounds like you're using a lot of different tools. So this is tool time. Uh-huh. What's the most important tool that you have in your business toolbox? 
Yeah, so a little known tool that most people won't know about is yet another mail merge. It's so quick to just send emails to people. And whether you're doing lead generation or you're reaching out to a group of customers, or in my case, a group of freelancers, or sending a group of emails to, to your team, it makes it so quick to just send a group of emails that you can make it seem customized, even though they're not really. Um, I definitely recommend having that tool in your back pocket. I think it's $10 a year. I have no affiliation with them whatsoever, but it's something that I've really been using for five years and it saved me so much time and it's led me to getting so much good feedback and building such good relationships with different people. Mm. And what's the name of it again? Yet another mail merge. Yet another mail merge. All right, we'll check it out. Put it in the show notes. All right, we're here at the ninth inning now. It is time for favorites and then we'll finish with a final four. Nathan, what's the favorite part of your morning routine? I, so I go to the gym in the afternoon. My morning is all about work. I mean, from the second I wake up, those first three hours of the day are when I'm most productive. So I'll wake up and within 20, 25 minutes, I have a cup of coffee and I'm, I'm going through my emails and figuring out what projects I'm going to get done this day. So that, that's really my time before the day gets pretty crazy later on. Well, the key is to find your prime time. And that doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the night or the or first thing in the morning. So awesome. Prime time. Now, what about favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? I work out. I mean, that's how I do it. I get get away from technology, go to the gym, and, and crush it for an hour, going as hard as I can in the same way that I, that I went um, as hard as I could during the day. My, my mom always had this saying, work hard, play hard. And so anytime, whether I'm working, whether I'm with my friends or my girlfriend, or I'm working out of the gym, I'm focused on what I'm doing, and I'm going hard all out to the best that I can. All right. Now you're in Orlando, which one of my favorite places. I go to Disney regularly for quote unquote research uh, and fun. But uh, what is your favorite part of Orlando? <laughs> it's not the Disney and Universal area. I stay as far away from the tourist <laughs> area, areas as possible. Um, I, I love just being outside. I mean, I play baseball year round. Um, I get to run around a lake every day that's right next to me. I mean, yes, it gets a little bit hot during the summer, but I'm working inside most of that time anyway. So um, I, I just love the ability to be outside year round. Awesome. What about favorite restaurant or restaurant experience? Ethos. I, I My girlfriend's a vegetarian and, and I, I love vegetarian meals and Ethos is right by me in Winter Park and, and they have great vegetarian food. Awesome. All right. Favorite book that stands out to you? Uh, start with why. And it, it just resonates with me a lot because with my Amazon business, it was fun. It was exciting. I was a young entrepreneur making all this money. But I eventually just lost interest in it because I didn't really have a why. I was pushing other people's products, making a margin. I wasn't really helping anyone. I was helping me and my team and the manufacturers. But with FreeUp, I get to talk on podcasts and conferences and help people grow their business and help thousands of clients. And per, I mean, last year we paid out $3 million to freelancers around the world um, and, and just meeting with them. They show me their cars, their houses. It, it's just a, so much of a bigger why to help people rather than just pushing products because it wasn't even my product. And after years of doing it, it got really old. Yeah. Huge, huge fan. Big mentor of mine, Simon Sinek. Great book. All right. Now, magic moment. What's a moment you'll never forget in your life? <laughs> um, moment I'll never forget in my life. Whew. Um, all right. So back in, in my first business, about a year in when I, we were crushing it, I had this brilliant idea to have a manager of the day and then also to um, have one supplier that we really liked it. And we were doing so well with them that I didn't um, bother to get other ones. And I went on this vacation on the first day of the first vacation. Um, I got three calls, one that the supplier had dropped me Two, that my manager of the day had quit, so six months of training down the line. And then third, someone had stolen my identity. So it was a pretty bad day. 
And I went from pretty much losing everything and starting over. But within six months, we had built that business to be so much more diverse by reaching out to multiple suppliers. We departmentalized our hiring so no one was indispensable. And I remember that six month mark when we had finally reached that same exact revenue that we were before, but this time we were more protected. It was kind of like that I made it and I can I can surpass anything, anything that comes up. Because even now when you have those bad days or those bad weeks, I always just, I, I go into it with more of a sense of positivity that I know we're going to bounce back just because I've been from, I've been to that point of just losing it all with your company. Mm, I love it. And that's taken a long time for me to realize as well. Those terrible days, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to forget this. And it's going to be a great story. So I always, I always look in the positive sense now, because if you're not having those uncomfortable, tough moments, then you're not pushing yourself. You're too comfortable. So it's interesting. Most people talk magic moments, you know, these really epic, amazing moments. You talk about a low point, but you've turned it into a positive. So Nathan, thank you for sharing. That's awesome. All right. Final four here. Our final, final four questions. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? I make myself very available. I, I never want to be that entrepreneur that is so successful that he doesn't have time for his customers, his freelancers, his team. I mean, I put my calendar right on my website. When people call me, I call them back. It's one thing that people people sometimes think I'm crazy for, but it, people want to talk to me. And there's plenty of times where they don't have to, and my assistants will, will handle it a lot. But just the fact that they know that, hey, worst case scenario, I can always go to Nate and he's going to have my back. I think that's one way that I've really been able to stand out. You know, I love the irony of that. If you're constantly hiring all these assistants and people to do work for you, but yet you're always available, or maybe that's the reason why you're always available. That's why I'm always available. Because I have people that are doing 90% of the work, you know? <laughs> love it. All right. What's the best advice you would give to someone to stand out in business and in life? It, whatever you do, it's got to be customer service based. You got to make people happy at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how good your service is. If at the end of the day, the client isn't happy and it could be for any reason. I've dealt with freelancers just as an example who they might do very good work on the back end, but because the clients feel like they're too busy for them, because the clients feel like they can't have a conversation with them, there, there are just certain things that will hold them back. And if you can really focus on the customer service end and feel and figure out how do the clients want to be treated, then everything else really comes together nicely. You got that right. Final two questions, Nathan. Best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received. So my parents are so supportive. They're both teachers. They, they, it took them a while to come around to me being an entrepreneur, but they just, they told me that life's just too short to do things that you don't like to do that you don't want to do. So I was always in the mentality that I never wanted to do a nine to five job. I knew I could do it. I knew I could succeed at it, but because I didn't want to do it, I took a lot more risks and whatever you're happy about, whatever you're passionate about, just do that because at the end of the day, life's just too short to do things that you don't want to do. I love it. And finally, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as the guy that changed the hiring industry. Too long, it's been done the same way. Um, I mean, remote hiring has been around for 10, 15 years. It's turned into job boards. That's what everyone's been doing. And I want to come at it differently. I want to focus not just on people's skill and their resume. I want to focus on that culture, the communication, the attitude, the speed that other people have not been able to do. And that's how I want to be known as. Mm. Well, you are well on your way. Very impressive what you're doing. Free up. Where can people learn more about you? 
yeah, if you go to freeup.com with three E's, as I mentioned, my calendar is right at the top. You can book a meeting with me. Um, you can also create a free account. If you mention this podcast, you get a $25 credit added to your account right away. Um, check out my blog and, and check out my Facebook group, The Online Hiring Mastermind. Nathan, you are doing amazing things. And we're always trying to change the game of baseball, change customer service, change the culture. And you're looking at changing the hire industry. You are doing it, my friend. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom today and being an amazing guest on Business Done Differently. Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.